tears are falling in Charleston They're asking why And no one has the answer Our hearts are breaking for Charleston So many lives In a moment shattered The thief came To steal and to kill and destroy but the story isn't over You will not be overcome You will not be overcome by evil But you will overcome evil with good They were gathered in Charleston they believed in a kingdom coming While they're grieving for Charleston We won't forget the love that they were showing When the thief came to steal and to kill and destroy Cause that love will not be silenced You will not be
Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13 is where we're going to talk today. Let me just read the first portion of that. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. That's Luke's account of the Lord's prayer as we know it. Matthew's, of course, is a little more in, in detail and ends, which um, you're more familiar with. In fact, that's printed on the bulletin cover. But I wanted to go to this passage today and talk about fathers. Um, Jesus opens this prayer with those simple words, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. And I think it is amazing that at the very beginning of this lesson that Jesus gives his disciples on how to pray, he opens up with us addressing God as our Father. And that is a great thing. You know, in this life, some of us have been blessed to have uh, great fathers in our lives, active in our lives throughout our entire lives. And yet we know that in the world today that that's not always the case. Sometimes children grew up without a father's presence in their life, uh, an absent father, not there, maybe never even knew their father. And so when we talk about God as the father, for some of us, that's very easy to relate to. We understand that. And it is, a, it is a warm thing. But for others, when we talk about God being our Father, it almost, we have to overcome our sinful nature here below and understand what a Father is. But I think it is amazing, as a Father, that we know that our God is also Father. Uh, it just, uh, there's so many parallels. I think of uh, becoming a Father. Those of you that are dads, you remember uh, the moment you became a Father. Uh, that was probably the best time when we thanked God for letting you be a father, not a mother, because she went through all the pain and suffering, and you got the joy, didn't you? Uh, when we went in to have our first child, Kathy was in labor for quite a while and ended up being an emergency C-section. And I had done all the practicing, you know, the breathing techniques and the hoo-hoo-hoo and ha-ha-has and all of that. And I was prepared to hold her hand as she gave birth. And when they said, we're going to do a C-section, I said, okay, well, I guess I'm out of here. And the nurse said, scrub up, you're going in too. And so, uh, believe it or not, as, as fearful as I am of blood and all that kind of stuff, I went in and I was just, I'd act like nothing ever happened. In fact, I grabbed the sheet and got in trouble that separated her surgical area. I grabbed it to peek over and the nurse slapped my hand and said, no, that's a, you can't go there, you know. But it was an amazing thing. But I, I remember her giving birth to that baby and seeing the baby come out and immediately they'd clean it up and they put it in my arms. And that was the greatest thing in the world. In fact, uh, many times the baby goes to mom's arms, but because of the surgery, to dad's arms. And so what a feeling that is. And I just can't help but think that that's the kind of feeling that God has for us, his children. That that love that we felt for our child, for our children being born, that that's what God has for us. That's an amazing thing. And then I think as my children have grown through the years, the different times they've done things that, that we've been proud of. You know, you got those moments that you just step back and you say, man, that's my kid. That, that's my kid right there. That's not Kathy's, that's mine. And, and then there are those moments when they're bad and they're honoring and you say, that's Kathy's kid right there, you know. But there's moments when we're just so proud and I can't help but think that God, the Father, feels that way about us. That there are just these moments in our life when the Heavenly Father looks down and He sees what's going on and He's pleased with it. 
In fact, I think you see a picture of that in the New Testament when Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. The Bible says that there was a spirit that came down and that there was a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You know, we can please our Heavenly Father too. We can live lives that are pleasing to Him. And I imagine there are times just when our children kind of disappoint us and embarrass us a little bit. I imagine there are times when the Heavenly Father looks down and He's disappointed in us. Times when maybe we've acted out and not done the things we should and not lived the way we should and and kind of left a mark on His name. I read an article about a guy that was talking about growing up and his parents always said, don't you misbehave there because people are going to think bad of me if you act that way there. And sometimes I think that's the truth with our Heavenly Father, that the way that we act has an impact on how people see Him. But He opens up regardless and He says, pray this way, Father who art in heaven. Psalm 60, 68 and 5 says this, that God is a Father of the fatherless. So if you're here today and you happen to be one of those that grew up without a father in your life or his presence in your life for whatever reason, God comes along and he is the father to the fatherless. He is the perfect father. He is is absolute and complete. But there is a slight problem with that sometimes. Because sometimes we don't like our fathers being around. Sometimes we'd rather not have a father present. Uh, I can remember growing up, my mom and dad were pretty strict. We had uh, curfew times, times we had to be in, and times the TV went off, and all sorts of things. And I remember I had a best friend that his parents didn't give him those curfew times. And so what I learned to do, sadly, was if I really wanted to stay out and cruise Mooney Boulevard and race and do all those things, I'd go to my friend's house where my father wasn't there, and I'd get to go out and do those things. One time we talked about it, and my friend said, I wish I had a dad like yours that cared enough about me to give those rules. But sometimes we don't want a father. C.S. Lewis said this, and I think it is very accurate. He says, we want not so much a father, but a grandfather in heaven. A God who said of anything we happened to, be, to like doing, what does it matter so long as they are contented? Isn't that really true that, you know, how grandfathers come along and they spoil our kids? And I think sometimes people look and they say, well, rather than God being a father, I'd rather have him be a grandfather, because then I could do whatever I want. How many of you grew up the old-fashioned way with spankings and whoopings and all of those sorts of things? I know, some, I know I'm not the only one, amen? But we grew up that way, and I'll never forget when Beth got a little older, old enough to be spanked. I'll never forget spanking her the first time and Dad seeing it, and Dad just about had a cow. What are you doing to that kid? And I said, I'm doing what you did to me for 18 years. <laughs> Grandfather spoil, and sometimes that's what we'd rather have. But God, nonetheless, is our Father in heaven. And he goes on in this prayer as he teaches them to pray, and he says some very specific things that relate to fathers. He says this, give us this day our daily bread. And we need to know that our Heavenly Father provides for us, doesn't he? That he meets our needs, that he satisfies our wants, that whatever that we need to grow and to live and to thrive in this life, our Heavenly Father is there for us. Philippians 4 and 19 says, and my God will supply every need of yours, according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You ever listen to kids brag about their dads? Well, my dad's this, and well, so what? My dad's that, and my dad can beat your dad up, and boy, it just keeps escalating until the kids are rolling around on the floor fighting over whose dad is the greatest. We serve a heavenly father that's the greatest of them all. He says, my dad is so wealthy and so rich and so powerful. Our God is that father that he will supply all of our needs 
according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. There is nothing in this life that you and I could ever come in need of that God will not meet that need, that he cannot meet that need. He is able to supply them all. We get so stressed out and so worried about where's our next bill going to get paid and how's the next meal going to be provided and how are we going to take care of our families? And we serve a God that just simply tells us that if we would seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he would supply all of those needs. So he says, give us this day our daily bread. And really the idea of the daily bread is so that we learn to depend on God. That we don't just have everything laid out for us and prepared and it's all easy, it's all simple, we'll be just fine. But sometimes God wants us to really depend on Him. To lean on Him. To trust in Him. He's our Heavenly Father. And He supplies our daily bread. He goes on in the prayer and He asks God, the Father, He says, forgive us. Our Father forgives us, doesn't He? And He empowers us. Isn't that one of the greatest things about our earthly fathers is the forgiveness they offer us? I mean, when you look back over your life, and I know when I look back over my life, we as kids do some really stupid things, don't we? I mean, we do some things, and sometimes we do some hurtful things. I know as children, uh, as growing up with my children, you ever had those moments where you try your best to provide for your kids and it seems like nothing ever satisfies them? You ever said this, you just don't appreciate and whatever goes on. Sometimes we live that way with our Heavenly Father. We don't appreciate what He's given us, and yet our Heavenly Father forgives us. Sometimes we break His rules. Sometimes we go against what His desire for our life is. Sometimes we speak ill of our Father, and sometimes we just not what we're supposed to be. But He says, pray to the Father. Father, forgive us as we forgive others. Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalms 103. He says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Man, if if you're a father here today, that would be a good way to pattern yourself, wouldn't it? To be merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. That's what our Heavenly Father's like. He says, He will not always chide, nor will He keep His anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward us, or towards those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. Our Heavenly Father, although He sees everything in our life, although He knows everything in our life, He is so merciful and so forgiving. When we have wandered away, He's like the prodigal's father that waited home when his son had journeyed off into a faraway land and wasted his substance. When the son finally came home, the father waited at the end of the road, wrapped his arm around his son, called for the fatted calf to be slaughtered so that they could eat that night. He put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. That is the forgiving heavenly father that we serve. 1 John 1.9 tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the reality is many of us are like that prodigal son, aren't we? We know that we have a Father in heaven, and yet we have decided to go out and live our own lives, to go where we want, to do what we want, and we have forgotten the home that God has for us. We've forgotten that He's our Heavenly Father, but He is forgiving. And so Jesus taught His disciples, forgive us our sins. And not only does He forgive our sins, but He says, I expect you to forgive other sins. He set the example for us. 
And if God can forgive me, I certainly must be able to forgive others. In fact, the Scripture makes it very clear that if we don't forgive others, that our relationship with God stops. It's frozen in time. That there is no forgiveness for our own sins. And then the psalm, or the, the prayer goes on, and Jesus said, also pray this, lead us not into temptation. And I think leading is the role of a father, don't you? That as children, we look to our fathers, and we see the way that they live, and we pattern our lives after them. At camp this week, I went up, and I've been going to Heartland since I was, I think, six years old, and uh, grew up in a lot of this area, know a lot of these people, and, and this couple always speaks to me at camp, and I really have no clue who they are. I just don't. I mean, I know their name, and they remember me, but I do not remember them. And they said, hey, how are you guys doing? I said, hey, we're doing good. And I looked at Kathy and said, who is that? She says, I don't know either. They said, you still got the same beautiful smile you had when you were a teenager, Kathy. And Kathy said, see, I'm beautiful. (laughs) And then she looks at me and she says, and you look just like your dad. And I'm like, oh, come on, my dad's old. (laughs) But the reality is, I don't just look like my dad. I act a lot like my dad. And your children, fathers, act a lot like you because they follow in your steps. We are leaders whether we choose to be or not. If you have been given children, you are a leader. And you'd better determine that you're going to lead your children in paths of righteousness. Is the path that you're living now one that you would desire for your children to be on? If not, why not change that path today? Why not say, hey, if I'm going to be the leader of my family, I'm going to make sure I'm leading in the right direction. Psalms 23 tells us about our God as a leader. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God is our Father, and He leads us. And He'll lead us to those good places in life. He'll lead us through the most difficult places in life. But He is our Father. He provides for us, He forgives us, and He leads us. Aren't you glad we have a Father like that? Jesus went on in this passage, though, and He said this, And He said to them, Which of you has a friend? Will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are in bed with me. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impotence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. So Jesus starts this teaching to his disciples and tells them how to pray. And now he goes a step further and he tells us how we approach God, what kind of attitude we have when we come to God. And he uses this story about a friend. And there's a couple things to know that in in Jesus' day, bread wasn't something you just had laying around. You didn't have freezers with a few extra loaves up there. You didn't have refrigerators full of leftovers. You pretty much got up and you made your daily bread. That's what you had. And so if a friend were to come in the middle of the night, chances are you might not have bread. But beyond that, the idea to come in the middle of the night would be disturbing also. I know I don't like visits in the middle of the night, and yet I have a much larger house than probably these people lived in. 
These homes were probably one-room homes. And he indicates there that the father and the children were all in bed together. They were all sleeping in the same room. And so he says, when that friend comes in the night, he's asking for something, number one, but he's asking me to get up and disturb, disrupt the whole family to wake up the children to meet my needs. And Jesus goes further and he says, that friend would probably tell you to go away. But if you kept asking, he would get up and give you the bread, not because you're his friend, but because of the boldness of your request. That you would actually come and wake him up in the middle of the night and disrupt his family and ask something of him. Because of that, he would answer your prayers. And so what he's saying is that you and I can have this boldness when we come to God. That he is our friend. The Bible tells us that we can be the friend of God. But beyond that, we come to him with boldness and courage when we have needs. And many times, we simply don't have things because we don't ask God for them. And so we see that Jesus tells them, ask God. Hebrews chapter 4, we've been studying that in Sunday school. It says this in 4 and 14. Since then we have a great high priest, talking about Jesus, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. And he says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He's telling us that Jesus understands what we go through. He's been through everything we've been through. He's experienced all that we've experienced, and yet he did it without sin. And then he says this, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, not only does Jesus tell us to pray to the Father, but he says, come to the Father with confidence. Trusting him, believing in him. Most translations use the word boldness to describe the way that we come to the Heavenly Father. Dr. Eugene Peterson wrote a modern-day version of the Scripture called The Message. And in it, it reads this way, Now that we know what we have, Jesus, the great high priest, with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. And then he goes on, he says, so let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. We come to God in our prayers with boldness, with confidence, walking right up to him as if he is our earthly father, but he is our heavenly father. And we'll ask him for anything. We'll ask him for anything. Luke chapter 11 goes on, and he says this, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. We don't have to go without. Jesus tells us how to pray. He tells us how to approach God with boldness. And then he gives us this assurance that if we ask, we'll receive. That if we really seek, we'll find. That if we knock, God will open the doors to us. We have this confidence. Remember the old song we used to sing? Oh, what needless pain we carry. Uh, oh, what needless pain we carry when we don't take everything to God in prayer. How much we need to go to God. And then this, Jesus goes on. In verse 11, he says, What father among you, if his sons ask for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? 
If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And He asks us to put ourselves in the place of a father. And He says, if you as earthly fathers treat our children well, how much better do you think your Heavenly Father will treat you? I mean, think about it, fathers. As our children were growing up, man, we would have done anything for them, right? We'd go anywhere for them. We'd sacrifice anything for them. We'd lay down our lives for them. We wouldn't, as he said, when they asked for food, give them something that would harm them. We wouldn't play games with them. And when they come to us, we want to meet their needs. We'd do anything for them. And what Jesus is saying is our Heavenly Father is so far superior to any earthly father that if earthly fathers take care of their children, the Heavenly Father certainly will. He will provide. He will take care of us. But he says that he goes on and he says he would give us every good thing and he says spiritual things. Spiritual things. You see, this morning, God's not just interested in meeting your physical needs, although he can and will. God wants to meet your spiritual needs. Those are the greatest. I was thinking this morning of all our fathers here and and, and of all fathers of all time that probably the greatest desire for our children is that they one day see Jesus face to face. I mean, I want my children to, to be happy. I want my daughters so far, I've got two out of three married, and two out of three, they've married good men. I'm, I'm happy with that. I know I call them the dark knight and, and hash brown and all that, but I'm happy with that. I want them to marry good men. And I want them to raise children and, and have happy homes. I want them to be successful in whatever career they take off after. I really want them to have happiness and joy and peace in this life. I want them to be healthy. What father wouldn't want their children to be healthy? And probably, in no matter, that probably never changes, does it? You could be 60 or 70 or 80 and look at your children and still would desire them to be healthy. But above everything else, I think every parent wants more than anything for their children to one day see Jesus. I mean, what good would it have been if in this life for 50, 60, 70 years they were healthy and happy and had a wonderful life if at the end of that time, if they were to die and enter into eternity without Christ? No father wants that. Scripture says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children still walk in the truth. That's our greatest desire. And so this Heavenly Father can provide that for us. Let me give you three spiritual things the Father provides. One is salvation. Salvation. Only God can provide that. I can provide a lot of things for my earthly children, but only the Heavenly Father can provide salvation for them. And He's done that in the person of Jesus Christ. Psalms 40 says this, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and put their trust in the Lord. That's the God that we serve, the Heavenly Father, that when we cry out to Him from no matter where we are in life, from no matter what the circumstances are, our Heavenly Father hears our cries. And he lifts us out of those. He establishes our feet. He puts a new song in our mouth. God provides salvation. And no one else can provide that. But our Heavenly Father also provides security. 
And that's something very difficult to provide, isn't it? I mean, even in this life, we can attempt to provide security for our families, but there's nothing ultimately secure, is there? Some folks thought their retirement was secure several years ago until the economy collapsed. Now they're working several more years. Some folks thought their home values would never drop, and so they borrowed against their home values, and all of a sudden the housing market crashed. That security we thought we had was gone. And who knows what tomorrow holds? But really, it's tough to provide security. But our Heavenly Father provides security for us. He loves us. He protects us. He provides for us. He cares for us. He watches out for us. Listen to Romans 8. He says, For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's security. God not only wants to give us salvation, but he wants to hold us in his hands in such a way that nothing could ever tear us from his hands. That's secure. That's secure. And our Heavenly Father gives us strength strength. There are moments in this life, aren't there, when it feels like we just can't go on. There are times when bad news seems to be followed by nothing but bad news. That one doctor's report is just the beginning of a list of doctor's reports. That one financial calamity is just the beginning of maybe months or years of financial hardships. And sometimes we just don't have the strength to carry on. We don't know how we'll face another day. But our Heavenly Father says, I'll lift you up and I'll carry you through that. Psalms 28, The Lord is my strength and my shield. In Him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exults and with my song I give thanks to Him. The Lord is the strength of His people. He is the saving refuge of His anointed. And so our Heavenly Father provides us with spiritual gifts, salvation, security, and strength. But all of this requires us to understand that He is indeed our Father. On the front of your bulletin is printed the Lord's Prayer, and that is recited by so many people, isn't it? I mean, folks that don't even attend church know the Lord's Prayer. Songs have been sung by artists that that don't even darken the doors of church step, and yet they sing the Lord's Prayer, and they sing it, and it is beautiful. But do you realize that the opening line to that verse really is the toughest line of all? Our Father, which art in heaven. You see, Jesus had a confrontation with the Pharisees one time. And they were talking about who their father was. They claimed Father Abraham to be theirs. And Jesus was real blunt with them. He said, you're not your father. Your father's not who you say it is. He says, if you were of your father, you'd act like your father. You'd live like your father. You'd walk like your father. And he went on and said, your father is the devil. He says, you don't serve the heavenly father. If you served him, you'd act like him and you'd look like him. And the reality is sometimes we need to be careful that we don't pray this prayer, our father which art in heaven, if he's not our heavenly father. Are you the child that's drifted so far away from God that today maybe you need to come home and live like he's your father? Why live out in this world as an orphan, as an abandoned child, when the Heavenly Father wants to draw you in and take care of you and provide for you?
See, God being the Father makes us understand a whole lot, doesn't it? We understand that joy. We understand the pride. And I think there's another thing we understand is we understand the hurt sometimes when our children have walked away, when our children have disobeyed, when our children aren't living the way we desired for them. Do you realize there's a Heavenly Father that looks down and He feels just the same? That He looks to us and He says, this isn't what I had in mind for you. This isn't the way I thought things would be for you. This isn't what I wanted for you. But he's a father who restores, isn't he? He's a father who forgives. Thank God that he's our father. Let's stand with heads.